values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, I want to invite you to download the podcast one more time. It's very easy to do on any device you have. You'll never miss a minute of the show. It's the Mike Broomhead Show podcast brought to you this week graciously by my good friend, Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty East Valley. You can sell your home for more money and get guaranteed offers by going to higherprice.com. It's higherprice.com. Um, how many people on the terror watch list? This is a great question. How many people on the terror watch list um, were caught in the month of August? And the answer is there were a dozen people. Um, and that adds to a record total. There have been more people captured in the last fiscal year with still some time to go than um, than there were combined in the last five years. So August apprehensions bring the total to fiscal for the fiscal year to 78. With two months still to go in the fiscal year, triple the prior five years combined. There were two arrested in twenty seventeen. There were eight. Uh, there were eighteen in fiscal year. There were six in eighteen. I'm sorry, zero in nineteen, three in twenty, and fifteen in twenty one. Um, it is an, a staggering number of people that are coming, and there's a couple of reasons. More and more people are coming is certainly one of them. The other is that I believe that the word around the world is if you want to come into America through the southern border. It's wide open, it's overwhelmed, and it's easy to do. And I so people that mean to do us harm are coming. Um, I don't want to be right about this. I don't want to be right about any of it. But the possibility of a terrorist attack, doesn't it increase when you have a porous border like this? That, that's the issue for me, is as, as a nation – we should be talking about this. This should be something that we have been talking about forever. Um, Karine Jean Pierre was talking about this, and they she was asked about you know what what what's wrong. The question was what exactly went wrong. Here's what she said. These people are, are fleeing communism, as we have said, uh, as you heard DHS say as well. Falling authoritarian regimes in Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba are causing a new migration uh, challenge across the Western Hemisphere. So what we're seeing is a new, uh, definitely a new p- pattern. So not just our, our southern border as well, but our Western clearly hemisphere. Uh, but meanwhile, migration from Mexico and northern uh, Central America has come down for three consecutive months and is down by, by nearly half. And what we saw the increase with Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Cuba is up by 121%. So it is not their policies. It's the communist countries that have been the communist countries that they're coming from for a very, very long time. This is, again, um, when you aren't doing the right thing, word gets out. When uh, you look at what's happening with crime rates in places, we've seen a huge uptick in crime. Well, part of the reason why you're seeing an uptick in crime is the policies of the people that convict criminals and jail them. When you live in L.A. County and word gets out that the L.A. County district attorney has got a revolving door where the chances are you are going to be released without bail, released on your own recognizance, it emboldens criminals to commit more crimes. They do it over and over again. That's a complaint in New York City. That's the same complaint that's happening here. I am well aware, as I think most people are, of the plight of some people in the world that want to live the American dream. I take it as a compliment. I always have. I am an immigration advocate, but I am telling you, all of you immigration advocates like me, all of you that think we should have a guest worker program, that we should make it easier for good people to come to this country, you are damaging that narrative by, first of all, calling everybody that comes here a migrant. They aren't all migrants. 
There are some that are legal migrants and some that are illegal migrants. There are people that are coming here with no justifiable reason by American laws. So you are helping fuel the animosity against immigration that exists, that, that people are fed up. And so when you start hearing, and you're going to hear a lot about this, as you should, you're going to hear about the criminals that cross this border, the crime that they are committing, the people that are coming here illegally and then committing crimes, murders and robberies and rapes. And and you're going to hear more about them because people are fed up. That certainly doesn't mean that everybody that's coming here is a criminal, that people aren't coming here for reasons that are um, noble, That doesn't mean they should be coming the way they're coming. And you have to take some responsibility, or at least you have to give some responsibility to this administration for what they're doing. This double talk about this increase in people coming. Well, it's not happening because it's getting worse in those places. It's happening because those people are being told the Biden administration has completely opened the southern border. And if you show up, you're going to get to stay. Back in the 1970s, there was an agreement made between Jimmy Carter, the president then, and Fidel Castro, the leader of Cuba, where they were allowing Cuban immigrants to come to the United States and get asylum. And that stayed for decades with the wet foot, dry foot rule. But when the mass exodus happened from Cuba, did that mean that the island suddenly got so bad that people decided to get on boats and come to America? No. Word got out that they were able to come. That's what happened. And so there was an uproar that I lived in South Florida. I grew up among this. I, I am close with many, Mar- what they're called Marielitos, the Mariel Cubans. I'm friends with many of them. Um, and the people that I know, and there was, they knew that there were criminals that were mixed in with them. They knew that criminals were coming. But there were good families, good people that were coming to the United States from Cuba as a part of that wet foot, dry foot rule. But that's what caused the max exodus was the rule change. That when you make an agreement with the American government that says you can legally come here, well, that that agreement doesn't exist. As a matter of fact, it's gone backwards with Cuba. The wet foot, dry foot rule was canceled during the Obama administration, where now they are sent back to Cuba to be punished by their government because they dared try to escape the island. So now what is being said, not secretly, but what is being said is that the Biden administration has all but wiped out any hurdles to getting into this country. You can just come. That's why this is happening. The policies have caused this. They're right about the uptick from Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela. All that's true. But it's because the people leaving that country and there are reports out there, and I believe them to be true. That Venezuela is doing what Fidel Castro did during the Carter regime, which is empty the prisons and allow criminals to cross the border into the U.S. Not my problem anymore. You deal with them. This has got to be fixed for the good of the people that are coming, for the good of the legal immigrants that want passage to the United States and deserve the American dream and the American way of life, to the American people that are being immediately affected on the border and all Americans across the country. This has to change. And the only way it continues to change is if we continue to talk about it, not just here in a border state, but all over the country now with people being shipped on buses and airplanes, it's become a national conversation. It's going to be hard to have this national conversation about this problem without focusing on the numbers of people in the towns on the southern border. That's going to be helpful for the American people to go, whoa, I had no idea it was that bad. Welcome to our world. Welcome to our world. 
We'll get you caught up. Biggest news stories. Did you hear this happens in just a moment? Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Been a crazy, crazy news day. Let's get you caught up. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Uh-oh. Trouble in paradise. (laughs) There you are. All right. Here we go. With the Fed expected to raise interest rates again, there may be some good news that comes with it. There's a little bit of a bright spot here. You're making more money on your money. So if your money is in the bank, you're getting um, higher interest on high yield savings accounts and also certificates of deposit. Do you think this could be helpful to people? (laughs) It's only going to be helpful to people that don't need help. That's what I'm saying is it's only helpful to people that don't need help. If you are in a position where you need assistance, you don't have money in the bank. So no, it doesn't help you. Yes, for some people that have a savings account, it could help make your make more money for you. But to the average family that's watching their savings be depleted, that is going to get emergency food boxes or spending less and portioning less and doing less. No, it's not helpful because you don't have any money in the bank. It is help that she's correct in what she said, but it's not helping the right people. Special Master Judge Raymond Deary is asking for clarity on documents found at Mar-a-Lago. If the government gives me evidence these are classified documents and you don't advance declassification claims, which I understand is your prerogative, then as far as I'm concerned, that's the end of it. You can't have your cake and eat it. When will we get answers about these documents? Well, the 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 reasoning from the former president's lawyers are saying we don't want to do some of these things because it may be necessary for our defense if there is an indictment. The other side of that coin is if you don't do it, there's a better chance that there's going to be an indictment. So I don't know the answer to this question. I think that the special master is asking legitimate, reasonable questions. He's saying we are looking at pictures of documents that say classified or top secret on them. And you are not going to show us the declassification. So we can't believe anything other than what the documents we have says on them. So this is going to be a wrestling match a little bit. But ultimately, I think we're going to get answers and we're going to get answers either by default because the former president doesn't cooperate or he does cooperate. And then a decision is made based on what this judge sees. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says he hopes for his bureau. Sorry. He (laughs) hopes his border security policies have become a wake-up call to the rest of the country. Most states in the United States did not know what was going on the border. But by God, as soon as they started showing up in New York City, the entire country knew what was going on on the U.S. border. Is the issue at our southern border receiving enough attention? No, it's not. And I'm going to give you a a real-life example. Years ago... Uh, There was a bill called SB 1070 that was fought in Arizona. It was an immigration bill. And what it did was kind of a standardized law across the state on how to handle people in the country illegally. And uh, it got attention all over the country. There were cities and states that wouldn't do business with Arizona. And it was it was really overblown as as a story, as a news story. There was a city council member in Minneapolis, St. Paul, that actually was condemning Phoenix, Arizona and the state of Arizona 
for the way they were handling this SB 1070. And this woman actually said she would understand Arizona's concern if it was a border state. This woman didn't even know we're a border state. So, no, not enough people know what's going on. The Phoenix Suns and Mercury owner Robert Sarver announced earlier that he has started the process to sell the teams. In a statement, he says in the current unforgiving climate that whatever good he has done will be outweighed by this. Do you Sarver's past actions warrant this decision? I, I'll be honest. I don't know the answer to that. I think that what this is a decision for me. I have no connection to the team other than I watch the team and I'm a fan. Ownership has to understand, you know, what I think Monday is media day for the Phoenix Suns, Monday. And they're getting ready to launch a season with a team that is still a top-tier team that could qualify, is probably going to go to the playoffs and could go deep into the playoffs. They are still looking for their first world championship. It's beloved. This team is loved inside this city and across this state and people across the country. And the, the owner of the team is a major distraction. Whether you believe it's justified or I believe it's justified, people on the inside, there's no way he came to this decision on his own. He had to have been consulting with people and those people are telling him there's no way out for you. And that's that's just the reality of life right now. All right, that's did you hear this? Now, you know, if you look at the accusations, how long ago some of these things happened, is this part of the cancel culture? The answer for me is maybe. Maybe it is. But when you have a long history, when you get a, such a damning report from the head of the uh, NBA that says the maximum fine that I can give you is $10 million, and that's what we're doing. It's not the dollar amount because the dollar amount to Robert Sarver is inconsequential. It's hard to believe to anybody that $10 million is an inconsequential amount of money, but it is to a guy like Robert Sarver. It was the fact that it was the maximum they could levy. Then a one-year suspension many people didn't think was long enough. But the idea that you are representing a franchise, and that's the other part of it. If it, 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 There's things that happen in life that may not be fair. I'll, I'll give you an example. If, uh, if, if And this happens way too often where somebody goes out, has a couple of drinks, doesn't think, think that they've had too much to drink. They get pulled over. They get a DUI. Chances are no one's ever going to hear about it. If it happens to me. And it's happened to other people in the media. It hasn't happened to me. But if it did, if it happened to me or somebody else in the media, chances are it's going to be in the newspaper. And the company you work for has to decide if that publicity was so bad that you have to lose your job or face a suspension. It's just it's just the way life is. If Robert Sarver was a guy that said and did those things as just some normal guy, he would just be looked at as, as a crass guy that just doesn't listen. You own, you are the face of a franchise like the Phoenix Suns. It comes with a higher cost. Comes with a much higher cost. How high is the Fed rate raised? We have an answer. I'll give it to you next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. So the numbers are in. The Federal Reserve has raised interest rates by uh, uh, three quarters of a point. But it's not just the raising of interest rates. As I said earlier today, what we have to watch, what you should be watching for is the report on what's coming next. The move puts the key benchmarks uh, at the range of three to three and a quarter percent. 
the highest since the 08 financial crisis, in addition to the large rate hike. Oof. Federal officials laid out, or Fed officials, I'm sorry, laid out an aggressive path of rate increases for the remainder of the year. New economic projections released after the two-day meeting shows policymakers expect interest rates to hit 4.4% by the end of the year, suggesting another three-quarters of a percentage point increase is on the table. They expect to continue raising rates in 2023 before stopping at a termination rate of 4.6 and then modestly lowering in 2024. The rate hike decision at the latest economic projections underscores just how committed the Fed is to wrangling inflation under control, even if it means risking an economic recession. Oh, now we have to put a positive spin on a recession. A couple of just a couple of things. Why is it that the American people are skeptical? And I don't mean just me because I'm a Republican. Um, And I keep saying that because I know that's the narrative and it's never been the narrative with me. And I know I can say it over and over again. And there's some people that won't believe it. I'm looking at results. I am a results oriented person. And I don't know how anybody could say that this administration has handled the economy well. They haven't. They've made excuses for their mistakes. They've made excuses for their lack of action all along. They are the ones that told us transitory inflation. It's going to spike up a little bit. Then it's going to drop dramatically. How long did we hear that narrative while experts kept saying no, no, no? And then other people started screaming, that's just politics. That's Republicans trying to demonize this administration. That's Republican doom and gloomers. And then when we hit a recession point, they redefine the word recession. All of this happened. And people saw it coming. And now they're bragging, we are committed to stopping this, even if it means. So now it's now they're victimizing themselves. We understand that politically it's not very popular to be in a recession. But even if we have to take the political bullets for that, we're going to do it because we're committed. Here is another reason why. Uh, If you've not heard this, it's maybe a little levity. Maybe you'll laugh a little bit. Maybe you'll cringe. I don't know. This is Vice President Harris and her description, very, very um, in-depth description of community banks. So we invested an additional $12 billion into community banks because we know community banks are in the community (laughs) and understand the needs and desires of that community as well as the time and capacity. (laughs) Let's just keep saying the word community. Community banks are in the community. Again, this is this is a vice president who had a book report that was due and just never read the book. That's what this is. And this happens over and over and over again. This is where the lack of confidence in this administration to make the right. I'm not saying they won't make the right decision. Even a stopped clock is right twice a day. But this to me is maddening that the the statement being put out is that we're committed. You should have been committed a year ago. The gap has uh, slashed hundreds of jobs as inflation squeezes the struggling giant, according to one headline. Um, 
Gas prices, American gas prices have gone up for the first time in 99 days. It's not a huge increase. I'm not screaming from the mountaintops about this one. We had 99 days of lower gas rates. That ends at 98 days. Uh, It went up by a penny to 368 a gallon nationally on average yesterday or today. Uh, The last time the national average price for gasoline rose was June 14th when it hit a record of 502. So it has come down quite a bit. Uh, the plunge in gas prices was driven by a series of factors, including stronger supply and weaker demand. Um, and another major factor that has been driving gas prices lower, growing concerns of a global recession. So that may be another byproduct of what's happening. And then I saw this one to go side by side with it. I thought it was just interesting. Uh, this is from the Daily Wire. Florida became a home to a record number, a record breaking number of New Yorkers in the month of August. A monthly record of 5,833 New Yorkers changed their driver's license to Florida last month, according to a post. Um, That's 41,000 people have left New York this year for Florida. And here's a quote. First, it was the billionaires. Then it was the rich following behind them. Now you have the middle class. A lot of families just began to feel like New York was becoming unlivable, especially for younger couples with kids in their 30s and 40s. They don't want to get on the subway. It's a safety issue. It's a school's issue. So it is the economy, but it's also their policies of of, uh, crime and punishment that we've talked about over and over again. Uh, People are looking for options. We live in a world where people are looking for options. Um, I lived in southwest Florida most of my childhood. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, but I spent most of my childhood living in southwest Florida. I love it. I I consider it. There's something romantic about home. This is home for me. This will always be home for me. But I was raised. I've got so many of my childhood stories and my family, my brother and his kids and his wife, my mom are all still in Florida. Um, The high school football field where I went to is named after my brother who was killed in the war. There's so many memories I have there and still so many great friends. So there's something romantic about where I grew up. But this is home. For me. Um, But I had options. And when I had an option to leave Florida, uh, circumstances in my life and otherwise, I decided, man, I love Arizona. I'm going there. I love that place. It was the best decision I ever made for myself. And it wasn't a financial one that had to do with taxes or anything else. Cost of living was the same out here. There was more money to be made out here. But I made it for a quality of life change. And I loved it. I, I think that I think Arizona is going to be a destination for a long time like Florida is. New Yorkers, if you've been to New York, I, I, I will tell you there are few places in the world that I like visiting as much as I like visiting New York. I love Washington, D.C. I love when I, we, I traveled to Italy, when I went to Europe. Um, but I love the city of New York. I've been I've been privileged to spend a lot of time in Midtown when I go. But traveling all over Manhattan, I spent a lot of time in Staten Island. And, and New York has been such a great place to visit. But when you look at what it costs to live there, when you look at the politics of living there, when you look at the crime rate of living there, all of those things added up. I, you couldn't pay me to live in New York. And I'm not saying anything negative about New Yorkers. It's just not a, a great place to live anymore. And people are leaving. And it's sad. The Big Apple should be a place that's a destination. It should be an amazing place to live. And it's lost a lot of that, unfortunately. Um, Before we close it out, I'm going to dovetail this. I'm going to go with this in another direction. And I'm going to let you hear a couple of people speak about how it's really good that energy prices are going up. They actually have said it. I'll let you hear them say it coming up in just a moment. Strong Valley.
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I appreciate you spending some time with us before we close it out. I said I want you to hear something. This is a CEO from BlackRock. He was at the Clinton Global Initiative. They were talking about energy prices. This is Larry Fink. This is his name. Uh, And you'll understand why I'm playing this when you hear him say this. Because of the rising energy prices, we are certainly seeing the green premium shrink quite considerably. And so the amount of investment dollars that are going into new decarbonization technology is accelerating and accelerating very rapidly. So it's good. The energy prices going up mean we are going green at a much faster pace than we were before. Higher energy prices are good in this regard. I've been saying for two years now, the better part of two years since this president was elected. Uh, now, I know this was the Clinton Global Initiative, but this is the this is the push from the administration that global warming that well climate change used to be global warming and they couldn't prove that it was warming all the time sometimes it cools one month it's heating up way too fast and another time it's getting way too cold some of the winters are too cold with too much snow some of the summers are too hot in places that have never been this hot before so because both are happening it's now called climate change it's not just warming or cooling um it has nothing to do with the fact that they've been wrong with every one of their predictions but whatever um al gore says that climate crisis is like hiked through the book of Revelation. So anytime anyone has made a reference to Jesus in any comparison, comparing themselves to Jesus, uh, quoting the Bible and saying this has happened because God is punishing us, they are mocked and ridiculed. And I'll be honest with you. I think that 99.9% of the time they should because none of us can say with any certainty that God did that for you or did that to you. You have been such a bad person or you have been such bad people. This is God's wrath or look, you're doing so well. It's one of the uh, um, one. There's a there is a band that used to be a a Christian band that was pretty famous in the 90s. um, And I don't know if they still tour or not, but it was called Cademan's Call and a great band, kind of a cool band. I really liked them. Um, And they have a line in one of their songs that said, I don't want to mistake my happiness for blessings, meaning that just because things are going well doesn't mean God is pleased with you. And just because things are going horribly certainly doesn't mean that God is displeased with you. So Al Gore saying that what's happening with climate is somehow God's wrath in the book of Revelation. Why aren't we laughing? Well, it's because nobody pays attention to Al Gore anymore anyway. Um, And I defy the, the people out there. Go watch the movie. An Inconvenient Truth. Go watch his documentary and see how much of what he predicted. This is going back for a very long time. Never even came close to coming true. And they're still out there beating the drum of climate crisis, climate emergency. I'm not someone that doesn't. I've never said the climate doesn't change. Climate changes. Absolutely does. Are we in a crisis? No. I don't think we're in a crisis. And there are are over a thousand scientists that signed a letter saying as much. Should we be good stewards of where we live? Yes, we should. Should we want to leave water and the air and the land and the crops and the and the herds of animals? Should we want to leave them in a better position for our children and grandchildren than it was given to us? That should be a goal for everybody. I'm an environmentalist. 
I want to see clean water and clean air. I want a clean space. But I'm not buying into this emergency. We have to change the industrialized world. And Al Gore makes a statement here that says it all about Al Gore. When he talks about how um, this is the, the fault of what he says, when every night on TV news is like a nature hike through the book of Revelation that builds demands for meaningful action. And these events aren't representative of so-called random walk. They're getting worse every single year in the last decade. Really? Okay. Well, um, I will tell you that the month of August was the first time, I think, in recorded history that there hasn't been a named storm in the Atlantic in the month of August. How do you explain that? So if And I'm certainly not holding that up as saying we've got no issues ever. But when there's a bad storm or there's a bad season, then you hold that up and say, see, we told you this is what the world's coming to. It has been a mild hurricane season. We've had this terrible hurricane that just pummeled um, Puerto Rico. It's now even strengthened and it's heading toward Bermuda. But the idea that you're going to take an isolated situation or set of circumstances and proclaim that this is proof and it isn't proof. It isn't proof. And certainly, as like me saying, it's not, I'm not proving anything by saying it was a very mild year in the Atlantic with no name storms in August. doesn't prove anything. But if you're going to argue one, you've got to consider the other. I just I look at this and the reason why I brought this up was because our our economy, the huge spike in energy prices that have happened here. Now, gas prices have fallen. Diesel hasn't. You're going to pay a lot more money to heat your homes this winter is directly connected to this ideology. Let's go after the fossil fuels and the fossil fuel industry. You are paying more as an average citizen because of the policies of this administration, because they're all connected to climate change. And it's just a fact. That part of it is a fact. All right, if you're a social media user, at Broomhead KTAR is where you can find me on Twitter. Mike Broomhead, all one word, is where you can find me on Instagram. I'd love to have you follow me there. We'll be back tomorrow morning starting at just after 8 o'clock, as we always do for another edition of the show. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me today. Hope I can talk to you tomorrow. God bless.